Wonderful. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Wonderful to um, get to be able to share this morning. Um, you may have seen, if you, uh, you know, were on Facebook, that we're starting a, uh, a new series today uh, that is all about family, which is cool because um, I was inducted this morning as family pastor, so this feels like a good time to um, talk about what it means to be family. Uh, and of course, we're talking about family as being an intergenerational church, which I guess is maybe a little bit funny to specify that we're talking about family as being intergenerational because that's what family is, isn't it? Uh, where it's aunties and uncles and mums and dads and cousins and everybody all included. But that is what we're talking about. We're talking about what it means to be a family which is intergenerational uh, church. So um, what I thought we would do today is... Um, at the outset of this new series, which we're going to have for a few weeks, and then we're going to finish with a church picnic, a family picnic at the end of this series, I thought I would just introduce um, a few concepts, a few different ideas this morning um, about the generations. And it's really just to kind of set the scene for where we're going and what we're going to talk about. And then we'll dive into scripture and, um, and see what God says about family, which he says a lot. Turns out family is very close to God's heart. So... What we'll do is, uh, I thought a fun way to kick off, there we go, family, would be to introduce to you uh, the generations, to spend some time getting to know one another today. So I want you to imagine that we're not all sitting in, in these rows, but rather there is a big family table here this morning, and, and we're all sitting around it. Um, and we're going to, uh, yeah, spend a little bit of time getting to know who is at our family table today. So here we go, here are our generations, and uh, most people here might fit into one of these generations, but there is a generation actually that's not represented there, and that is the, uh, the founding generation, or uh, the federation generation, also called the greatest generation. So the founders, the founding generation, these are people who were born before 1925, so I'm not sure if there's anybody here um, this morning who's born before 1925, but you'll be 96 plus this year. Um, and this is the oldest living generation on earth. Uh, these guys fought through two world wars and lived through the Great Depression. Uh, they are known as being a tough and resilient generation. Um, so some standouts from this era include things like wireless radio, the early motor vehicles, aircrafts, and uh, among lots of other things as well. So is there anybody here maybe who does in this generation, the founders. That's okay. Well, we honour this generation anyway. You'd be doing pretty well <laughs> if you were here today. Okay, so moving right along. Next we have the builder generation. So these are people who were born between 1925 and 1945, so during the Depression and War years. So you are roughly 76 to 96 years old currently and Australia's senior generation. This generation was born into a time of poverty and joblessness. So they're known for their strong work ethic, core values of respect, loyalty, and commitment. Is this sounding familiar? They are a very, uh, they are a reserved generation and a stable generation, and actually built a lot of the infrastructure that we see uh, around us in the world today. So some standouts uh, from this generation, from the builder generation, include things like roller skates, jazz, and Frank Sinatra. 
So is there anybody here this morning who is from the builder generation? Wonderful. Well, we honor you today. That's fantastic. Okay. Next, we have our baby boomers. Get a lot of press, the baby boomers, don't they? The baby boomers, also called the love generation. Hmm. So these are people born between 1946 and 1964. So you're at the end of the at the end of the war, and because of the post-war baby boom, became known as the baby boomers. So roughly 57 to 75 years old this year. You are the largest generation in history. Um, during the era that you were born, you nearly doubled the Australian population. So there are a lot of you. You are the work hard, play hard generation. Work hard, play hard. You are known for your work ethic, but also known for wanting to take time to enjoy life, especially now that you're starting to retire in big numbers. Um, you just want to live it up because as the boomers would tell us, they have worked hard and now they deserve it. So they are our grey nomads. They are the wealthiest generation alive, largely responsible for our huge technological advancements of recent decades. And your generation, I found this interesting, changed what family looks like. Because before this generation, before the boomers, most women would stay home with children and, and men would work. But the boomer generation actually changed that and saw the beginning of two, uh, two working parent families. So some standouts from this era include color TV, cassette tapes, Elvis, and of course, the Beatles. So are there any baby boomers here this morning? Ah, yes, the largest generation, wonderful. Well, we, we honor you. We honor you this morning around our family table today. Okay, next we have our Generation X. Now, they became known as Generation X because they don't like labels. So they will just be known as Gen X. Thank you very much. Uh, Gen X is born between 1965 and 1979, so roughly 41 to 56 year, years old, uh, currently in midlife and becoming grandparents. Um, Gen X coined the term whatever and grew up in the disco age. They can actually be a fairly suspicious bunch not being as trusting as the generations before them and tending to question things more. Uh, they're not afraid to change things that have always been the way they are. Gen X is married later in life uh, and later than their parents, but highly value family. Uh, and unlike the boomers before them, who tended to be a little more on the workaholic side, uh, Gen Xers love to strive for family and life balance and uh, are often very involved in their kids' lives. Uh, wonderful. So some standouts from this generation include VCR, early computers, Walkman, Madonna, and ET. So do we have any Generation X people among us today? Uh, well, welcome, and we honor you today as well. Welcome to this family table. Okay, here we go. The Gen Ys, or as you'll probably know us, the Millennials. And I say us because this is my generation. Uh, so we were born uh, between 1980 and 1994. So that makes us roughly 26 to 41 years old currently. Um, this generation were born into relatively 
peaceful times compared to previous generations and grew up in a very stable and good times. So often we are very optimistic and idealistic. Uh, we also grew up with abundance, uh, thanks to our grandparents and our parents who provided so much for us that they might not have had. Uh, so we're pretty used to kind of extravagant lifestyles, um, if we're honest. And we're not so good, you might have heard this about us, we're not so good at waiting to get what we want uh, because we didn't have to wait for much as kids. We're the most well-traveled generation, but that's starting to slow down because we are starting to have kids. We currently make up over 30% of the workforce although we don't quite have the same work ethic of generations uh, before us because we value fun and pleasure very highly. Other things we value are things like diversity, equality, the climate, and collaboration. And proof of that is things that we invented like Uber or Airbnb. So there you go. Um, generation Y, this is interesting, actually don't value the institution institutions and particularly religion, very highly, um, but do value spirituality very highly and, and finding meaning in life. So that's interesting. Some standouts from this era include the internet, uh, mobile phones, PlayStations, DVDs, the Spice Girls, and the Backstreet Boys. So there you go. Are there any, is there any other millennials here this morning with me? Oh, wonderful, great, and I can see some hands outside. Fantastic, well, we honor uh, the Generation Y here this morning. Moving right along to Gen Z. Gen Z, also known as the global or connected generation. So born between 1995 to 2009. So currently our 12 to 26 year olds. And uh, so our teens and our young adults. So this generation, very interesting, will be the most educated generation in history. Um, one in two Gen Zs will go to uni as opposed to one in four Gen Xs. Older Gen Zs are currently finishing up um, study and heading into the workforce, and the rest will follow over the next decade. The reason they are known as the global generation is because they are a generation that is so connected globally um, and uh, very collaborative um, as well. Gen Z is the most materially endowed generation and the generation that has grown up the most indoor of any generation. They grew up indoors. Um, they are also known as tech natives because, as opposed to their grandparents, they have had to, uh, who, who had to learn to navigate technology later in life, these kids have been in, exposed to technology right from the start, right from the very start. Um, so it's like a native tongue to them. So some things from this era include things like just Apple, Apple anything, um, Instagram, Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. So we may have, are there any Gen Zs in the room? Yay, Megan. Yeah, wonderful. Well, welcome, Gen Zs. Uh, we, we love you and, and we honour you this morning as well. I don't know that there'll be any of this next generation in the room because they've probably gone out to kids' church. Um, but the newest generation alive, Generation Alpha, uh, is what they're being called. We're moving into the Greek alphabet now. Um, so they are born since 2010 and up until 2025. So they're currently babies to 11 years old, and you are the children of the millennials. These kids are growing up in a fast-paced digital world and will grow up with full digital integration. These kids will never know a time before the iPad. 
iPad was invented in 2010. So there you go. And they are probably the only generation among us who will live to see the 22nd century. So there you go. Some standouts from this era include iPads, virtual reality, frozen, artificial intelligence, and much more recently, COVID. <laughs> so, um, so these kids have now affectionately been named the Corona Kids. So there you go. Maybe that'll take over Generation Alpha. Okay. There we go. So we've spent some time um, getting to know who we table this morning. And I guess you don't really need to see this on a screen because all we'd need to do is look around at morning tea and we will see this um, among us and among our family here. So let's continue painting a little bit of this picture a little bit further and, and where sort of things are currently at for us while we continue to talk about family. And then we'll find out what, what things um, God has to say. Okay. So, one thing you may have noticed when you look at the, uh, the generations is that the time frame of each generation is actually getting shorter. It's getting smaller. There was once a time when a generation would, would um, involve people within like a 25-year period or plus, and that's now shortened to only 15 years. Uh, and, the, and will probably continue to grow smaller as well. And the reason for that is that the world is changing so fast that what characterizes a generation um, is, is changing so fast, so we need to them to grow smaller, okay? So here we go. I've got this. I first saw this uh, at, a, at a meeting for pastors um, in 2017, so... Things have probably changed even since, but there we go. So for hundreds of years, as you can see on that, change was a really slow thing. It was a really slow progression. After the wars, uh, we started to see change happening at faster rates than before, but nothing compared to what started happening in the late 90s and early 2000s, where things just took off. Change just became the norm. Uh, and then to today, where things just do nothing but change constantly, constant change. In fact, it is predicted that the rate of change will soon become infinite, immeasurable. So, if you've ever felt that you're struggling to keep up a little bit, if you've ever felt that things are changing faster than you remember, you know, when you were a kid, well, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's because, it's because things are changing very, very fast. So, it's okay to take a deep breath <laughs> And, uh, and, yeah, lean into it a little bit because I know it's, it's, it's pretty wild stuff. So I wanted to show you this today because I think it's helpful to understand why it can feel like the generational gaps between us are getting wider. And it can feel like that. For the first time in history, six generations are alive and on the planet at the same time. That's never happened before. People are living longer, change is happening faster, so we now have six generations alive at the same time. The world our alpha kids are growing up in is completely different to the world that our boomers grew up in. And that can lead to a difficulty, I think, to comprehend one another sometimes. Gen Zs, for example, Gen Zs, or the tech natives, they comprehend technology in a way that I uh, sometimes, I feel like I get left behind. And I'm a millennial, so there you go. So I can't imagine what it must feel sometimes for older generations uh, with this crazy amount of change that we're seeing all the time. 
So I guess I show you this because I thought it might be helpful at the outset of this series about family and being intergenerational church. I think it might be helpful to acknowledge that uh, it isn't always entirely easy to be intergenerational. It's not always entirely easy, not with how fast things change. And if you think about it, there's actually not many places left in the world, in our culture, where generations gather together like this. There's not many places left, really, outside of our family groups, outside of our blood relatives. Um, People who don't share the same blood, people from different ages and demographics, we just don't really gather together in any context. It just doesn't happen. So church, I think, is very unique in that way. And I think that's absolutely how God intended it to be. I think that's absolutely how God intended it because families and generations coming together are very close to God's heart, as we're about to see. So we're going to have a look at 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. Uh, and the theme of family and generations it runs all throughout Scripture. So really, there's so many places we could go and talk about. Um, but I think this is a good place for us to start. So here in this book, Peter, this letter, Peter is writing to the early church. And once again, the theme of family is really strong throughout Peter's letter, particularly how God's family is very inclusive. God's family is to be a very inclusive place um, of all people, not just Jews in that context. But in chapter 5, he specifically wants to address the church. And I think there's some things here that we can really draw on while we talk about these things um, and that are very countercultural as well. So he says in verse 1, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I'm just going to pause there for a second because I think it's just helpful if we uh, mention a couple of things here. It's important to note that when Peter addresses the elders among you, um, he's talking to elders as in church leaders. Um, that That is one thing that he's talking about. But the other thing we can see here is that he's also referring to elders as in those advanced in age, those advanced in age among us. Um, And that makes sense because he's addressing the church family. And in just a moment, uh, he moves on to talking to young people. So to those of us who are elders, those of us in positions of influence and leadership, and those of us advanced in age, be shepherds of God's flock, be caretakers of God's family, not lording anything over anyone, but being an example for the family. And then in verse 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So the message to the church here is one of togetherness and family. And it's a picture, I think, of mutual submission as well. Elders care for God's family, not out of a sense of entitlement or position, but out of love for God's people. And young people submit humbly to these elders who love you because 
we actually don't know all the things. We haven't walked as far in this journey as, uh, as some of the people here, and there are some things that we need to learn. So what a beautiful picture of God's family this is. There really is this awesome flow of relationship here and these just great themes of togetherness and, and care. And uh, everybody is included in God's family. Everyone has a place. Everyone has a seat at this family table. Everyone is important and valued. And this is God's design. He created us to be together. So this picture of God's family that these verses paint is one of unity between the generations, which, like we said, is becoming more and more of a countercultural concept where culture and actually many churches out there would say, do you know what, it's probably just easier if we just stay separated. Probably just easier if we, if we separate out because then we can all just kind of have what we want and, and do what we want and you know, the conversations are maybe a little less awkward. I think, I think that's how a lot of people approach generations and these generational gaps. But I think God's word, as we've seen, uh, and I feel really quite passionately about this, says, actually, no, you know, we need to fight for family. We need to fight for togetherness uh, because we actually need each other. We need each other, and that's God's design. We were made to be together as family. We're supposed to show up for each other. Young showing up for old, old showing up for young, and everybody in between, we were made to be together, and that's what family is. And no one ever said family was supposed to be easy, but it is what we're made for. So here's the thing. When churches fail to do this um, or, or choose not to do this um, because maybe it's just the easier option, it actually doesn't go well. We know this. We know it doesn't go well. It turns out God really knew what he was saying and what he was doing when he designed us to be in family and intergenerational. There is a purpose to this design because when it doesn't happen, when we separate everybody into groups based on age, and we're not talking about like sending kids to kids' church because age-based programs, are, you know, there's absolute value in them. I am a kids and youth pastor, you know, so I absolutely love those programs. Uh, but when we never come together as family, we never actually connect as church family, it can be actually detrimental. It can be. So like I said, I've spent the last seven years as a kids and youth pastor, and uh, so I've kind of lived and breathed this stuff. This is the world I've lived in. And that is that, I'll pop this up, that is that the Australian church currently is experiencing a serious and ongoing decline of younger generations. It's actually experiencing what's, what's being called a hemorrhage of young people. Over two-thirds, this is the, this is the statistic, over two-thirds of young people who grow up in the church leave in adulthood. And half of them leave faith altogether. So lots and lots of study is being done into why this is happening. Why is this happening? Uh, and among a number of things, and there is a number of things, and, and maybe we'll get into some of those things later on, but, but uh, an, one of the things that we know contributes is when young people are separated. They're separated out, and they don't have access to the older generations. Or worse, aren't treated seriously by older generations. On the other side, conversely, 
Um, studies are showing that when young people are given a seat at this family table and when they are invited in and mentored and nurtured and when they, they feel taken seriously, rather than checking out and disengaging, they actually they lean in and they engage. So a really great resource that I love um, and that has done a lot of research, a really great resource rather, has done a lot of research into this and it's a book that I love called Growing Young. And this is a quote from it. It says, when young people in your church and community know that they are needed and invited to participate just like everyone else, they sense that they play a load-bearing role in the congregation. They become purposeful co-participants in the life of the body rather than junior participants or future members. You see, God's design, God's design is that we are family together, young and old together, unified. That's how he made it. When we separate ourselves from each other, um, there is a depth and a richness to community that can be lost. Young people could feel devalued, and that lack of closeness, that lack of care or loving guidance can lead to a a disillusionment, uh, and, and that is contributing to them giving up on church altogether. And older generations miss out on the gift that young people bring, such as innovation and fresh ideas and just raw energy, which I think we need around church. God made us to be together. It's all throughout his word. It's all in there. So when we separate out and when certain people aren't given seats at the family table, when we never get a chance to interact with one another, we actually all lose out. If young people aren't able or, or, or choose not to connect with older generations, they miss out on the wealth of wisdom and experience that these people, the older generations, that, that you have because you have walked this road that we are currently walking. You've already walked that path. And the Bible is full of this. The Bible is full of examples of cross-generational mentoring relationships where the older shares their wisdom and experience with the younger and they share life together and, and the older trains and prepares the younger for a life spent with God. Take Moses and Joshua. Take Eli and Samuel. Take Elijah and Elisha. Take Naomi and Ruth or Paul and Timothy. Cross-generational connections have always been a part of God's design and purpose for humankind. And we see him working this way all throughout Scripture, raising up generation after generation for his purposes. And I believe that this is still his purpose today. Not that we would separate ourselves from each other, as would be the easiest thing to do, but that we would come together as family older generations, nurturing, setting examples for the younger, younger generations, learning from those who've gone before. That's how God designed it. Because not only is community richer when we're together, but God loves to work through generations. Take a closer look at Paul and Timothy. Paul, the older and experienced missionary and church leader, he takes Timothy, the younger but eager learner, under his wing, And Paul doesn't make Timothy just sit by, just sit by and and wait until, you know, wait his turn. No, he he brings him in. He invites Timothy into his work. He gives him real authority, a real seat at the big table, if you will, teaching and training him along the way. In fact, 
Paul was such an encouragement to Timothy. This was so close to Paul's heart that even though Timothy was young, he still had something really important to offer. As we know, you'll know this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 to 14. Don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you were young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. What an incredible picture of generations together. Paul and the elders encouraging Timothy, raising him up and sending him out. This is God's design and purpose for church family. There is power in togetherness. Something so special happens when